going to uh, bring that to us. And then Sam uh, is going to come and bring us God's uh, word as he preaches to us. Let's read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 30. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, On the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Great, thanks, Helen. Um, Good morning, everyone. Um, I've got to say it's a bit nerve-wracking being up here. Last week I was dressed up in a silly wig and tie and a few weeks before that Ben tried to drown me on this very spot. Um, So hopefully today will go a bit smoother. You might even say, let's hope it goes swimmingly. Thank you very much. I'll take those audible groans as thunderous applause, much like I do with my children. Um, Well, anyway, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Sam. me and my family, um, my wife and four children, we joined as part of the, the graph from Encliffe a few weeks ago now, and it's been great to start getting to know some of you over that time. And it's a great pleasure to be able to stand up here today and to, to share this passage with you. So as we do, let's keep it open in front of you if you can, whether that's in your Bibles, your service sheets or on your phone or whatever, just make sure I'm not just making things up and spouting a load of rubbish, and um, that would be great. But before we go any further, let me just pray.
Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a gracious God and you choose to speak to us despite us being a sinful and fallen people. We pray that, Lord, this morning as we go through this passage, your spirit would very much be at work in opening our eyes to see more of, of the great glory and wonder of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, the passage to, today that we've got, is, uh, it picks up on the themes we've been seeing um, in the letter so far, as, as Paul here is urging his readers to live out the lives in light of Christ and so shine among the people as stars in the sky. You see verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You see, this is Paul's desire for for the Christians at, at Philippi, that they shine as they hold firmly to Jesus. And this should be our desire for for us today. Here in Totley, we should long to shine um, as stars in the sky, to be a beacon of light to those around us. I don't know about you, but it's been striking that over the past few weeks, how much this talk of of light and shining has seems to have come up sort of over and over again. Because if you were with us at the licensing service, you, you would have joined in saying some promises and prayers together that spoke about receiving, walking in and reflecting the light of Christ. And you would have heard the bishop speak on Matthew 5 where it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's been coming up everywhere, almost as if someone has something to tell us. And it might just be Ben being incredibly organised, but if you start digging, Church Suite can't even do that for you. So this is God's word for us today as we start together as a church family, two families joined together as one. God wants us to shine. He wants us to make a difference here in Totley. And it's a wonderful picture, isn't it, to shine before others. And the fact that we could even be invited to do that as fallen sinful people is just mind-boggling. But that's what Paul is saying here for the church in Philippi, and it's what God is saying to us today. He wants us to shine, to be that beacon, a light for others as we point them to our wonderful creator, just as the stars in the sky. So let me ask you then, what, what do you think that looks like? What, what would it mean for us as a church family to, to shine like stars? Maybe it's putting on big events, letting everyone in the community know we're here. Maybe it's the banners and the flags that we've got. Maybe we'll be making those events really spectacular. Or maybe making our services really professional, really slick and interesting. Failing with that today, clearly, with me up here. But anyway, while those things are all good, they're good things, they're really good things, Paul in this passage today talks about something that's, that's slightly different. And that's what we're going to think about today. And there's two things which Paul sort of sets out to us. Um, And that's as we follow Jesus, we're to work out and pour out. Work out and pour out. They sound a bit strange, just said like that. So hopefully it'll become clearer as we go through the passage today. So let's, let's jump into our passage. Now the first word we see in our passage today is the word therefore. Now, I'm generally quite a geek, and um, when I was a student, I was told something that's always sort of stuck with me, and basically that is, wherever you see the word therefore, you you need to ask what the therefore is therefore. You see, therefore, it's a a linking word. It points us back to what we saw last week in the passage, 
And Paul's saying that in light of what we saw there, now this. And so what did we see last week? Well, it was a passage that was all about Jesus, if you were with us. It was about his humility. It was about following his example and his exaltation as the one on high. So I'm just going to read from verse 6 and then into our passage today. So we just feel the weight of that link a bit more. So Paul here is talking about Jesus, who in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, our passage today, it flows out of what Paul was saying before and that frames what he goes on to say. In our passage today, Paul tells us to obey and to work out our salvation. Well, why? Well, it's because of what we see in the verses before. Because Jesus is exalted, because he sat on high, because he is Lord and gave up everything for us, So in light of that, in light of who he is, let's continue today to live for him. Now I think, I'm I'm stressing it a bit, but I think this this point is key for us to grasp, because I think we can easily read a passage like we have today, and go away with the feeling that we're just being told to do, do, do. Go work harder, follow these examples, rely on yourselves, and just crack on. But in this context, in the right context that we see it, that's not the message. And instead the message is that Jesus has done the work already. He is already on high. We are already his people. So in light of that, let's go and shine and live for him. And this is where we start to see how it is that that we do shine before others. And we come to the the first thing, the workout. You see in verse 12, Paul says, As you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation. Now I'm not sure about you, but when... When I read those words and hear those words, that sort of almost starts to ring alarm bells because something, is, it sounds like Paul's almost saying that we contribute some works to our salvation, that we're saved by doing something ourselves. Now we know that that doesn't sit right with the rest of the Bible. The Bible teaches us that we're saved purely by God's grace alone. And it doesn't fit with what Paul says in, other, in some of his other letters. And to be honest, it doesn't even sit with what he says in the rest of the sentence because In verse 13, it carries on. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, it's all God's work. So what's Paul talking about? What's he asking us to do when he says, work out your salvation? Well, I I think he means to continue to walk in the light of Christ. To live in light of who he is. You see, we've seen Christ is the exalted one. He is Lord on high. So continue to obey him. It's not, message isn't work harder. It's not try as hard as you can. Instead, this is work out who Christ is and what he's done. What that means for how we live today. 
let me just try and um, illustrate this if I, if I can. Um, my family, if you've met them, they're all a bit crazy, but they're all very sporty and they never sit still. Um, and the reason I tell you that is because I think it's, it's similar today to the difference between trying to work your way into a team and already being part of that team. See, when you're trying to earn your way into your team, you're, you're on edge. You're worried every time you're turning up to practice or training. You're, you're hoping and praying that it goes perfectly, that you have that moment of magic, which means you're chosen, you stand out, and you're selected for that team. However, if you're already on the team, it's completely different. You already feel part of it. You're less worried. You're just there. You can enjoy it. You can have fun and perform freely because you know you're on that team. You're already accepted. And it's similar for us as God's people. We're not in that place where we need to work harder to get in because Jesus has done everything for us to be part of it already. And so we're free to live it out. And that's what Paul is asking us to do when he says, work out your salvation. It's working out how we live in light of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And well, one of the ways we do that is what Paul goes on to say as well, is, is obedience. He, we're called to obey as part of working out our salvation. Now, obedience is, is a very practical thing. It's, it's proactive and it happens, yes, in, in the big things, in the big decisions of life, but also it happens in the everyday things, in the day-to-day choices and decisions that we make. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you can recall that you chose to obey God? When was the last time you chose to obey God? For me, that, that's been a, quite a challenging question as I've thought about this. Um, and your answer might be similar to mine, which goes something along the lines of, mm, I can't really actually remember, um, which is obviously not great. And, and it highlights my lack of attention to God's command and call on my life. It highlights my lack of seeing him for who he is and living in light of it, a lack of working out my salvation. And here Paul mentions it's obedience with fear and trembling. Now this is not fear as in, as in fearful as in, and scared, but it's fear as in a reverence and an awe. This is the holy God we're dealing with who we're called to obey. It's the one who is exalted in the highest place, who has the name that is above every name. And so obedience should be something we think about more. It should be something we long to work out in our lives more and more. And this is what it will take to, to shine before others, as Paul's saying. A life of obedience, a life of working out our salvation, of working out how who Jesus is changes the way we live today. And we get plenty of opportunity to, to do this, not just personally in our own lives, but together as well. See, this passage is, is written to a church and the whole idea is that we shine not just as individuals, but we shine together as a church family. And so we need to be working out what it means to do that together. Now in Philippi, it looks like from verse 14 that they were having some challenges with getting along. Paul talks about their grumbling and their arguing. We don't know all the details, but I'm sure it doesn't take too much of a stretch of the imagination to imagine what might have been going on. Being part of a family can be hard work, but Paul says here that we're to do everything without grumbling or arguing, and that is incredibly tough. Demonstrated not least by the fact that in my house, most weekdays, by 7.45, every one of us has, has failed at this 
grumbling and arguing. Whether it's because someone can't have the cereal they want or they're not allowed to open a new cereal. Or maybe it's the fact that it's just getting out of bed and that is the worst possible thing anyone could ever ask you to do. Or maybe it's been someone's been up all night because the other one's snoring or hogging all the bed. Um, I'll let you decide who you think is, is which. But most days by 7.45 in the morning, we've, we've failed at that already. And that's just within, within my family. I think it's equally as hard, if not harder, as a church family. And I'm sure you've found this at previous times in being part of a church family. And we might find it even more as we come together as, as one church family. There will be difficulties as we seek to shine together and work out our salvation. There will be plenty of opportunity to let grumbling and arguing take over as we get to know one another and as we get used to doing things together. Speaking purely for myself, that I can promise you there will be times when I annoy you. There will be times when I do things that, that get your back up. Not intentionally, but, but it will happen. There will be times when I let you down or disappoint you. It might be something just as small as me being a New England Patriots fan. That might be enough to do it for some of you. It might be that I'm great at mucking around with your kids and winding them up, getting them all hyped up, and then just pass them back to you, just to let you calm them down and deal with them from that point. Or it might be the bigger things. It might be that I say something that's hurtful or inconsiderate or offensive. Again, hopefully not intentionally. But it might be that I say something or believe something that you just disagree with. There will be times when I do things that, that annoy you. And it won't just be me. Um, I hope you won't mind me saying, but Ben will annoy you as well. If he hasn't done already. If, he might try and drown you at the front of church one day. Um, but Ben, he might be moving things too forward for your, fast too forward for your liking. He might be moving things too slowly for your liking. He too will, will do things that you disagree with. Because we all fall short here. We're, we're all sinful people. And I'm sure if we're, we're honest, there's probably quite a few of us here who are sat here who have experienced this as we've come together. Frustrations and grumblings. See, none of us is perfect. And there is so much opportunity, particularly for us at the moment, for the devil to speak into those frustrations and those disappointments and try and take hold of our hearts. And if he does, whatever light we hope to shine with will very quickly diminish and soon go out. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part here in this passage is that Paul's command is that we do everything without grumbling or arguing. Everything. That seems absolutely insane. Um, and quite a burden. How, how is it possible that we could even get to that point? Well, thankfully, we have a very good and gracious, wonderful God. And we're not left on our own to do it. You see, yes, Paul, as we've seen, says we need to work out our salvation. But in the very same sentence, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, it's God's work. It's not our work, it's not up to us to change ourselves or change each other. It's why it's not hard work. It's God working within us. And it talks about God fulfilling his good purpose. Well, to help us understand that a bit more, if, if, you, if you've got a Bible, just flick back to chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul tells us that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
You see, God's good purpose for us is to finish his work in changing us to be more like Christ. And he will complete it, he will finish it. And that's a great encouragement for us as we seek to work out our salvation together. Because yes, we will get it wrong. Yes, we will stuff up. But we are forgiven and God is at work within us and his work will be brought to completion. Well, that's the first thing that, that we see Paul tell us to do. Work out our salvation in light of who Jesus is. That's what's going to help us to shine. The second thing I want to pick up on, on despite it being the longer part of the passage, it'll be the shorter part of the sermon, you'll be glad to know. Um, but the second part is to pour out your lives for others. And again, it flows out of what we saw in the verses last week. It flows out of who Jesus is and what he's done and that he gave up everything for us. And so in light of that, pour out your lives for others. You see, we see it first with Paul in, in verses 17 and 18, and then with Timothy and Epaphroditus in the rest of the passage. Lives transformed by Jesus and lived for others. See, Paul speaks in verse 17 about being poured out like a drink offering. Now again, that probably sounds a bit, a bit strange and a bit alien to us, but a drink offering, it would have been familiar to his readers in Philippi, and it was an offering that involved pouring out wine, either onto the floor or onto an altar. And I did toy with the idea of getting Ben up here at this point and getting him to play the part of the, the altar or the floor. And get, you know, not that I feel bitter. I mean, it's come up three times now, I think. But anyway, I'll take the high road um, for now. Um, but Paul here, he's, he's using this as a, as a picture, an, an illustration of a life that is poured out for God's service. A life given up to serve God and his people. His life for their faith. And this is what Paul loved to do. You see in this passage he talks about how much it brings him joy. And he's rejoicing that he has had this opportunity to serve God's people. And it's because his life was transformed, wasn't it? His life was turned around on that road to Damascus when he met Jesus. And saw him in his glory. And he turned from that point and he turned and gave his life to serve others. And we see further examples in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy, we see working in partnership with, with Paul. Timothy was sent to Paul to serve him from the Philippians, and then Paul's longing to send him back. And see how Paul speaks of him in, from verse 20. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father... He has served with me in the work of the gospel. See, verse 21 is, is so striking. Everyone looks out for their own interests. That's what we know from before, isn't it? That's what causes the grumbling and the arguments. Everyone putting themselves first, only concerned about themselves. But not Timothy, no. See, his interests, we're told, are those of Jesus. His priority is Jesus. He longs to serve Jesus and speak of him to others to encourage and build them up. He's been changed and transformed by knowing Jesus, by knowing the one who was God, and yet gave up everything to put others first. And Epaphroditus, we, we see similar things again, giving up his life in service for others. And Epaphroditus, he very nearly actually gives his life up. We're told in verse 27, indeed, he, he was ill and almost died. And then again in verse 30, because he almost died for the work of Christ. You see, all through this passage, all through those verses, is 
lives lived for others, lives transformed and poured out for others, loving partnerships, seeking the good of each other, their lives for others' faith. And lives like that, they shine, don't they? They shine before others. This is why Paul's highlighting them to the Philippians. He wants to encourage them. He's saying, look at these transformed lives, these people living to serve Jesus. And look at how attractive the way they speak of each other is. Verse 20, Paul says he has no one else like Timothy, no one else like him. There's such a closeness and a love there. In verse 22, he speaks of Timothy as a son and Paul being the father. This is a genuine love forged by the love of Christ and seeking to pour out their lives for others. Then in verse 25, Paul speaks of Epaphroditus as a brother, a fellow soldier. He speaks of him longing for the Philippians. In fact, we see Epaphroditus is worrying about the Philippians, worrying about him because they heard he was ill. It's love and partnership and pouring out their lives for other people. And how great it would be in six to 12 months or even earlier for us to be speaking about each other like that. To see each other seeking the good of others and putting their needs before our own. To be becoming and growing in Christ-likeness, who is our ultimate example of this pouring out and who is the one who is at work within us to transform us. So let's, let's dwell on Jesus, let who he is and what he's done seep deep into our heads and our hearts. Let's be seeking to get to know one another, spend time growing those deep, loving relationships founded on Jesus. And let's talk with each other about how we struggle, where we struggle, spiritually, practically. And let's be thinking about how we can be serving one another and building each other up. Let's be that church family that points each other to Jesus. And as we do, we will shine as a church family here in Totley. We will make a difference. Let's be seeking to work out our salvation in light of who Christ is. Seeking to obey him both personally and together as a church family. And as we do, let's pray that we will long more and more to follow Jesus' example and pour out our lives for others. To seek their good and their joy in faith. And that we would find great joy in it ourselves as well. Let me pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that though he was God, he gave that up for us so that we can be brought into your family, saved purely by grace. Lord, we pray that your spirit would keep our eyes focused on him as we go from here today, as we have conversations with each other after the service. May we long to focus more and more on Jesus and to build each other up as we speak and focus on him. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Sam. We've just heard about focusing on Jesus, and that's what we're going to do uh, in our next...